we're about ready for our next speaker then. And that is Mr. Jamal Johnson. But Jamal has been an absence education teacher for 11 years as a presenter today. And you can further introduce yourself too. Okay, so when uh, Richard told me that the theme was um, why, quote, why should uh, abstinence and fidelity in marriage be taught as the expected standard in our, our nation? Um, well, I had a lot to say about that and I accepted the challenge to do this presentation. I haven't done presentation for more than four years. So I'm very rusty and um, I changed computers and um, didn't prepare PowerPoint, but I did prepare some, um, some pictures that I'll share with the group in the uh, group chat. Um, so forgive me, I haven't knocked all the rust off of my style. <laughs> I used to have a style. <laughs> and um, yeah, so let's begin uh, with an overview. I, I wish I knew more about uh, everyone uh, participating and what it is you're looking to accomplish in your uh, professional endeavors and I assume that many of you care about humanity and 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 I'd like to know more about uh, what it is you're, you're you're looking to accomplish before you die <laughs> I think like that I don't want to give to the world before I pass away but um, I, I hope that what I've prepared is helpful to you in your professional life and possibly even in understanding your own family members or your community. And I'll give, a, I'll give an overview. Why should we prepare uh, or advocate or try to bring about the understanding that abstinence before marriage and fidelity within marriage is good and should be promoted as an expected behavior among our, our people? Um, is because you increase the likelihood with multiple sexual partners of divorce. And divorce increases the likelihood or the presence of single, the single parent uh, percentage of homes that are single parent homes, okay? And the single parent situation increases or decreases child welfare. So if you were with an argumentative person, basically that's the, that's the approach that I'm suggesting that you take. And I'm suggesting that you familiarize yourself with any statistics that help you support that approach. Um, it is a fact that getting used to um, sex with no meaning, getting used to multiple partners helps you be used to the idea that you don't have to stay stuck with one 
partner that you might currently be married to. And so we're gonna see that in the, the, the stats that uh, I'm gonna share. And um, well, if we lived in a reality where sex was just a personal preference and you can have sex the way you want, um, if we lived in that kind of reality, well, then everybody should mind their business. But as a friend of mine, long ago, I was in a, a abstinence speech competition. And one of the girls that, <laughs> that beat me in this contest, I took third place back then, in 19, uh, 1997. And she used to say, we like to think that, you know, sex is a private act but it has profound social consequences. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's because sex has profound social consequences. That's why we have to have a, a discussion, a, a, a rational discussion about controlling, you know, these fantastic ideas of, of, of being able to handle and digest multiple partners in, in, in our life. And, um, okay, so I'm gonna, again, so what I'm saying, again, as an overview is, number of partners lends itself to a higher divorce rate, higher divorce rate lends itself to single parent families, single parent family situation uh, reduces child welfare. It also increases, uh, juvenile delinquency and teenage pregnancy. So teenage pregnancy increases, is a feedback. Teenage pregnancy increases the likelihood of single parent families. Teenage sexual activity in general increases the likelihood of divorce later in life. And so we're feeding the single parent situation with the idea that sex doesn't meet required commitment. We should teach that sex requires a commitment for the welfare of our nation, period. In this study, uh, they, they were trying to study the correlation between uh, promiscuity, which they now call social sexuality. <laughs> they don't want to call it promiscuity anymore. <laughs> they call it social sexuality. Um, they've showed that the odds of infidelity later in the marriage increase seven to 13% of the time, 17% uh, likelihood, 17 to 13% more likely that you will cheat for every partner that you've had prior to the marriage. So the more partners you've had prior to the marriage, your likeliness, like likelihood of cheating goes up in your life. Plus, that's got to be an issue of how you change your personality or how your personality is changed every, every time you have a partner, every time you increase the number of partners that you, that you have. Um, this other study, um, you can look at the bottom of the screen. This is going to be recorded. So do your own research. I've already given you the overview and you can you can pad your argument if you choose to take this approach that I'm suggesting. And with whatever statistics you like, I'm not even sure if arguing with people matters so much anymore. 
because uh, it's just some kind of a warfare or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, um, so in, in this study, EPC rep, uh, refers to extra pair copulation. That means cheating. Cheating, that means having sex outside of your committed relationship. And they've concluded that promiscuity is in fact a good predictor of infidelity. People think that they can control themselves. They think that they can turn a, 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 a large sexual appetite, a, a, a high degree of sexual curiosity, um, a liberal attitude about sex. They can turn it on and then turn it off whenever they want to. That's what people think. But this suggests that that's foolish. Women who married as virgins were less likely to divorce within five years across all three waves. Okay, so there was an 11% divorce rate among women who were virgins at the, at, at the start of the marriage. But it actually dropped to 6% after the year 2000. So it's safer to marry as a virgin if you're trying to avoid divorce. And you should be trying to avoid divorce because 87% of people procreate. So they are like, there are children involved in these marriages. And they later will see that they come to depend on the stability of those marriages. So <laughs> if you care about humans, especially the ones you create through your, your sexuality, you really should look at virginity as something that you want to hold on to. Okay. Um, another study uh, showed that actually the safest is to have no partners before marriage. Though one of the worst is to have two partners before before marriage. Um, and um, then if you have three, four, five partners, your likelihood of divorce drops. And the idea behind this is what happens when you compare your husband or wife to past partners? If you have no past partners, then you're not likely to divorce. If you have one past partner, you're very, very likely to divorce. If you have two, three, four past partners, your likelihood of divorce drops a little bit. And, and the theory is with only one comparison, you just assault your, your husband or wife comparing them to that one person because you, you idolize that one person. But if you had multiple partners, like two or three or four before your marriage, you'd realize that maybe all women are the same, okay? And so your dissatisfaction with your current partner isn't compared to just one person. You start to realize, well, maybe, maybe they're all like that. That's the theory, okay? But if you have more than 10 partners before marriage, it's like super social sexual person, promiscuous, um, then you, you start going off the chart. 
Okay, so here's here's a chart of number of partners and likelihood of divorce. Can you guys see that? Hello, can you guys see that? Yes. Okay, so then we see no partners and your likelihood of divorce is around 10%, five to 10%. Two partners and it spikes, okay? Like I said, you've got somebody to compare to and you can feel dissatisfied. I wish I had that other thing. I think I want to, I think I want to redo. I think I want to get rid of this marriage. But with a lot of experimentation, you, um, with more experimentation before marriage, now I'm repeating myself, okay? The worst is 10 or more partners. Uh, I'd have to say, the idea that you're gonna get married is, is, is a serious problem for you if you've had 10 or more partners. You've got something going on with you uh, before you even get married, okay? Okay, so uh, infidelity and divorce, okay? So we know that cheating uh, can be based on premarital or, or fornication, okay? But what about infidelity and divorce? Does it really have an impact on divorce? Well, it's the number two reason behind divorce. Okay, so 59% of divorces is said to be initiated because of, or was a factor in the divorce or coming to the uh, conclusion, I, I want a divorce. Okay, so they have a lack of commitment as the top. And I'm like, uh, that's almost like it doesn't count. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but, oh, I got divorced because I, I'm not committed. I'm like, isn't that what a divorce is anyway? So, so I say, I don't understand that personally. Maybe you do, but I don't. Which leaves the only uh, serious top cause for divorce being uh, cheating. Even the financial problems is the fifth cause for divorce. It's the cause for divorce in a third of the divorces, okay? Domestic violence, one fourth of the divorces is because of domestic violence, okay? Um, lack of premarital education, okay? You married somebody that doesn't have a degree that's not as serious as cheating. And if cheating is more likely because of promiscuity before marriage, why can't we teach our children that having sex before marriage is not gonna be helpful for your marriage if you intend to be married? And most young people have a favorable attitude about marriage, like Richard said, and they think that they might or probably would like to be married. Well, if you'd like to be married, don't shoot yourself in the foot. That should be a standard message that respected adults in children's lives should be telling them. And we should push that as a society. 
Um, okay, divorce factors. Well, women who began their sexual activity when they were 13 or 14 years old are 50% less likely to be in stable marriages. What does that mean? That means that you increase marital stability by waiting. You double your likelihood of being in a stable marriage by waiting uh, for sex, okay? Starting very early, okay? That's why, you know, this whole sexualization of young people and having young people consider who they are sexually, I mean, they can't act on it. They shouldn't be acting on it. This right here suggests that they, you're, you're getting them to consider a lifestyle that they can't act on. I mean, let the kid be distracted with other things. That's my opinion. I know a lot of you share that opinion. Let the kid be distracted with sports. Let the kid be distracted with getting better grades. You don't have to press them to figure out who they are sexually at the age of 13, 14, or younger. You know, it's really not conversation that they they have to uh, engage in at, at that age and if they do and become curious and it's it, it sparks uh, experimentation because you're talking about it um, that's very unwise so I'm not in favor of uh, you know talking to kids uh, as if they were already you know sexual you know um, just say, don't do it. It's not good when you're young. And um, if you want to have a marriage later in life, it's not going to help you to be sexually active. Okay, 31% of kids are in poverty. 31% of uh, children of divorce are in poverty. So divorce is not good for children. Okay. Um, Happily married parents decrease their child's likelihood of divorce. So if, you know, it can be cyclical. A divorce will increase your kid's likelihood of divorce, okay? If you have a happy marriage, um, you increase your child's ability to hold on to their marriage, okay? They'll believe in it more, okay? Uh, children and parents who fought a lot are more likely to get divorced themselves. So if, if, if your parents didn't get divorced, but they had a really crappy give and take relationship, then uh, you know kids are not likely to uh, care so much about marriage. They wanna flee their marriage, more likely to flee their marriage should their marriages uh, encounter trouble because they, they anticipate a high level of, I guess, toxicity, right? Because that's what they saw their parents do. And they made up their mind long before, if I ever start going down that road in this marriage, um, I don't want to continue as, as long as my parents did. Okay, so a happy marriage is really good. A bad marriage is really bad. And one thing we should take away from this is the way you conduct yourself in your marriage has an effect on your kid's marriage. So the further away from um, marital strife we go, 
the healthier it is for our children. So we should prepare, we should prepare for marriage, not treat it like it's like uh, not child's play. Okay, a lot is riding on our marriages. Maybe we should study, have marriage counseling before getting married. I don't know. Okay, but marriages and how we conduct our marriages has an effect on our children. 67% of Americans believe that divorce is better. For okay, so they're saying that they, they like to compare the idea of a dysfunctional marriage um, and how it affects kids. But what about happy marriage? Happy marriage is better, okay? Yes, it's better to divorce. They're trying to prove it's better to divorce than to stay in a bad marriage. Okay. All right. But is divorce good for children? No. Children are more likely to live in poverty after a divorce. So that's that. Okay. Who's cheating? Well, 21% of uh, 20-year-olds, 18 to, 18 to 30, 21% are cheating, okay? Um, from uh, 30 to 34, 17%. From 45 to 64 years old, 19%. And them old folks, old gray-haired people, they must be really getting it on. I don't know, 21% of people over 65. Young people call us old, old people. <laughs> Senior citizens. <laughs> they start to stray. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, Married men are about 25% more likely to report having one night stands than women. Now, I didn't bring it for today, but they did a study on how often, how, how willing, how often people admit that they were cheating. Only 25% of cheaters admit that they were cheating. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so this suggests that 55% um, of cheaters are men, okay? Cheating's not good. Cheating leads to divorce. Divorce leads to child poverty and uh, juvenile delinquency. All right. How many men divorce because of infidelity? The APA reports that anywhere from 20 to 40% of divorces are linked to infidelity and men tend to cheat more than women. Okay. So anything dissolving our marriages is bad and bad for kids, okay? So cheating is bad because of that. And since cheating is more likely, if you had a lot of partners or uh, partners before marriage, then uh, having sex before marriage is bad, okay? It's bad. Why is it bad? Bad because it increases or de decreases the strength of our marriages in our country, which reduces child welfare. Therefore, sex outside of marriage is bad. 
Okay, between 25 and 30% of children under 18 in the US live in a single parent home. Now, I couldn't find it, but uh, as Richard told you, I spent 11 years teaching um, in Patterson. I spent two years, I'll just say a year and a half, teaching abstinence in Chicago. Now, back then we had a curriculum it was called the Creating Love and Uplifting Esteem Curriculum. And there was one study we drew on that, that, um, that looked into correlation between single parent families and the juvenile crime rate. And its conclusion was for every 10% rise in a single parent family, the rate of single parent families in a community. You have a corresponding 17% rise in violent crime in those same communities. But so, so if you have 10% single parent rate, then you have, um, let's say, A certain number of amount of crime as it goes from 10% to, to um, 20%, that crime rate is going to go up 17%. Juvenile crime rate is going to go up 17%. But when the crime, when the single parent rate reaches 30%, um, there's so much juvenile crime, the streets are so unsafe that there's a decrease in people shopping, foot traffic. And then businesses start to leave because they can't get people to, to come through the front door of the business because nobody wants to walk around on the streets. And then that city becomes an inner city, okay? Where you've got liquor stores and uh, strip bars and, and bodegas and everybody, all of them, got bars on the windows and bulletproof glass, okay? <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but um, it's not funny. But there are a lot of these, these, these cities. I, I grew up in one, and I taught in two of them. And um, I don't know. We're doing it to ourselves, okay? Because... If the father is not in the home, okay, 25%, only 25% of single parent homes are head, headed by a male, okay? 75% uh, of single parent homes are headed by a female, okay? If a young male who lives with testosterone coursing through his veins is not taught by an older male how to control his male urges, um, he allows himself to become violent more often, okay? And an older man can help regulate a young man's masculinity. And without that male figure, these guys go to bad men to teach them how to be a man. The, 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 the seasoned gangster that's running a crew in the neighborhood can become the replacement for the father. 
And so fatherlessness is not good. And the single parent situation is not good. Uh, we encountered a problem saying things like that because a single parent moms and single parent dads also, you know, they feel judged. They feel like you're saying that they are bad people. Um, and one of my colleagues, you know, he came into the principal's office to, to address a, a parent who didn't like what we were teaching. We were teaching that it's not good to be, to, to create a single parent situation. We were teaching the statistics. And um, this, this woman, um, she was upset and my colleague, he um, in the principal's office said to her, he said, so you raise your children by yourself? She said, yeah. And he said, I bet that's hard. She said, you're damn right that's hard. And he said to her, well, would you want your, your uh, daughter to uh, live with the same hardship? And she said, hell no. And then he concluded and he said, well, that's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. Okay. And um, I know stating the facts is one thing, but managing how people feel about it is becoming a different problem. I mean, anyway, I'm going to move on. Okay. 25 to 30% of children under the age of 18 in the US live in a single parent household. So what I was saying is, um, you, we, as a nation, we are getting, we, the last time I checked, the single parent rate nationwide was 27%. And that was about three or four years ago. So if the study, from the, night, the early 1990s, the late 1990s was true that 30% single parent rate means more violent streets. Then what about when the entire country, we're not talking about these separate cities, but when the entire country reaches a single parent rate of 30%, what, what then? I don't know, but it's a good question because I don't know. It doesn't seem like we've, if we were 25% four years ago, where are we now? I don't know. Greater than 27%? Have we backed off a little bit? I don't know. Um, all right. Emotional impact of divorce. Young children study to understand why they must go between two homes, okay? Some of the kids may worry that if uh, they don't understand the ways of love, so they go, well, apparently in, 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 in matters of love, sometimes people stop loving each other. Okay, well, does that mean my mother or my father might stop loving me one day? Okay, so kids get destabilized by that behavior. Uh, one study back in the 90s, I remember uh, said that the children bounce back better. Psychologically, they bounce back better 
from a divorce, uh, excuse me, a death of a parent than the divorce of their parents, okay? Grade school children may worry that the divorce is their fault. They may fear um, they, that, it's their, that it's their fault. I thought, what did I do? What did I do to bring this into my life? My mother and father getting divorced. Okay, maybe I added stress to their lives, okay? Because I think spiritually, um, kids know that they come from their parents' love, right? So if there's problems with the parents' love, then they're sort of existentially attached to their parents' love, right? So if you don't like the love that you had, maybe you don't like the fruit. It's, it's kind of a reasonable question for a kid to at least wonder, like, does this mean you don't like me because I came from this love that is not adequate for you anymore, you know? Uh, teenagers may get angry about divorce and um, they may blame their parents. And one study back again in the 90s suggested that um, kids of divorce are less likely to trust marriage themselves, okay? So what happens, I mean, do we care about the future of the nation? Maybe after we're gone, maybe we don't care, okay. If you're proud to be American, I can't imagine you take that attitude, okay? So what's best for the long-term health of our nation? Bad attitudes about marriage or healthy attitudes about marriage? Well, if divorce produces kids with worse attitudes about marriage, then divorce is bad. It, as, 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 it's another reason why it's bad. It becomes a, a web of negativity when we're talking about sexual misconduct. It's a it's it's a a web of negative results. Now it just may seem like love and infatuation and all this kind of fluffy stuff, but that's the deceptive nature of this topic. You know, it looks like love, but in a sense, if your kid depends on you. You know, to carry out your love life a certain way, and you can't be concerned with your kid. And on one hand, it seems like love, but on the other hand, it's apathy. You know, it's um, irresponsibility at, at, on a national level. And that's what makes it immoral. It's because it's socially irresponsible. It is not good for society for you to just chase every whim that you have, okay? And this is a fact. And um, so if it's true, it should be taught, okay? It's, let's, let's, yeah, I don't care about, personally, I don't care about, um, you know, how it makes people feel. Um, if my job in my own mind is to state what the truth is for myself. I don't like going through my life confused by people being upset about something. So to where I can't tell myself, I can't know the truth of something in my own mind. I don't, I don't like that, you know? So I'm just clearly stating that sex outside of marriage is bad. And I'm, 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 I'm clearly saying why it's bad. And 
Um, it's not because orgasms are bad. Orga orgasms are great for about five seconds, or for some people, 15 seconds. <laughs> but it's bad for children, you know? And, you know, if uh, orgasm is like sugar and uh, family stability is like veggies and, 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 and vitamins, we have to learn how to eat, okay? We have to learn, we have to grow up, really. We have to grow up and eat properly, okay? And we can't live on sugar and we can't live on, I know he was a scoundrel, but oh my God, I just had to because the way, the way he said it, I just had to bite into that. You know, living in his fantasies, you know, like a Harlequin romance novel and, and Fabio and all this kind of stuff, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's sweet, it's delicious. I mean, the, the whole narrative of someone beautiful wanting me and affirming me by spending the night with me, <laughs> it's great. But if it's gonna tear down our future children, somebody should clearly say, now, yeah, it's bad behavior, it's, ir it's irresponsible. So, um, mental health problems of children with divorce. Divorce may increase the risk for mental health problems in children and adolescents, regardless of age, gender, and culture. Childhood, children of divorced parents experience increased psychological problems, okay? Behavior problems. Children from divorced families may experience more externalizing problems such as <clears throat> conduct disorders, delinquency, and impulsive behavior than kids from two parent families. In addition to increased behavior problems, children may also experience more conflict with peers after a divorce. Children from the poor academic performance. Children from divorced families don't always perform as well academically. However, a study published in 2019 suggests kids from divorced families tended to have trouble with school if the divorce was unexpected. So now they're gonna say, if you're gonna have a divorce, talk to your kids about it before, okay? Risk-taking behaviors. Adolescents with divorced parents are more likely to engage in risky behaviors such as substance abuse and early sexual activity in the United States. Adolescents. Okay, so why? I, I, I was like that. My parents separated and I became very promiscuous. Why? Because one thing is my father's not there. Two, his authority dropped, okay? because he himself is bad now. He's a bad person, he's a bad man, okay? Um, so I didn't care about his opinion of me so much and whether he thought that I was doing uh, wise or unwise things. I think that when I cared about what he thought of me, I made more effort not to disappoint him, okay? And, um, you know, uh, so I began being more risky in the way I drive my car when I was 18, um, the way that um, who I hang out with, um, um, 
promiscuity. All of that started after my father cheated on my mother and went to live with his, his, his other woman. Yeah. Okay. Less than 10% of married couples with children uh, are poor as compared with 35% uh, to 40% single mother families. Okay, so only 10% of uh, intact marriages or families with intact marriages, only 10% of them are in poverty. 40%, 35 to 40% of families with uh, only the mom are in poverty. So uh, that family structure is not as healthy. Okay. Children who grow up living in an intact home with both biological parents present, uh, present seem to do better on average in a wide range of social indicators than do children who grow up in a single parent household. For example, they are less likely to drop out of school, become a teen parent, be arrested, and unemployed. Um, if a failure of parent to marry, uh, persistently high rates of divorce are behind the high. Okay, people who never got married. A uh, high percentage of children that grow up in single parent can and should can and should policy attempt to reverse these trends. So it's already been asked whether or not we should do something in public policy to reverse the trends. What can we do to reverse these trends of people being promiscuous, sex outside of marriage, having kids anyway, raising these kids without the commitment of the other parents, right? Um, what can we do? Well, if only 40% of dads pay their child support, then it's not a discussion about child support, is it? No, it's not. Not a discussion about child support, even though people would like to say, oh, we have to focus on child support more to reduce the amount of poverty for kids of single parents. But that's not working. The last thing that people really seem to want to do in the West is to really seriously deal with the idea that you should control your sexual urges, control them, okay? Um, and that's really what I wanna conclude, that controlling sex is the goal for any healthy society. And uh, like, like this question says, what can we do so that our nation survives, so that it is healthy for a long, for, for a long period of time? What can we do? to help children of the future and uh, husbands and wives in the future. My conclusion is that we have to promote officially that promiscuity or lack of sexual integrity and sexual self-control is foolish and detrimental not only to the person, but to society, which means it's immoral. Okay, and I'm not talking biblical definition of immorality. I'm talking about the sociological defini definition of Im immorality, which means socially irresponsible. It's socially irresponsible not to promote abstinence before marriage and fidelity within marriage. 
I'll end right here. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. So, so much in there.